Hello, and welcome to Two Houses, a podcast about two people living with DID. My name is Jamie, and I'm here with... Vader. And we just watched an episode of Many Sides of Jane. Yes. Which is an A&E show, and um, it chronicles the experiences of a woman who was diagnosed around age 24, and now she's about 28, and she has DID. And she has uh, nine different parts. I believe so. Um, so yeah, just the first episode is, you know, it brought up a lot. Um, it introduced us to most of them, I believe. Yeah, I'm sure that more are coming because we learned about Janie, who's six. We learned about Beth, Beth who's 10, and Alexis, who's 19, Madison, who's 28, and the host, Jane. And we're waiting to, we're waiting to hear more about um, a couple of the other parts. Yeah, I'm interested to see where it goes. But a big part of this first episode was Jane's attempts to have relationships in the world yeah. while having this condition, <clears throat> and that certainly brought up a lot for us. Yeah, because we both have experiences being with singletons, mm-hmm. and then us. Yeah, yeah, we're multiple. As multiple. <laughs> yeah. And just the differences that kind of exist. Right. Between. And we've talked before between each other about the fact that there are some things that are easier about being two people together who have DID because there's understandings about certain things that are very difficult to have with a singleton partner. Mm-hmm. There's only so much that they can truly relate to. And some can be absolutely amazing. Some people who um, are singletons in relationship with multiples can be so understanding, so loving, so accepting. And there's no real problem there. Yeah. Um, but it can be challenging just based on the relatability. Yeah. So like in... Um... This episode, it shows her with two different people. Um, the first one is somebody I don't have the best opinion of. Mm-hmm. Um, he just was... He Basically, he just did not completely understand exactly what DID was. And the things that he was saying to her, I just find completely ignorant. Yeah, he um, said something along the lines of that he wanted all of her parts to love him. Yeah. But... But he didn't want to be with a 10-year-old. He wanted to be with Jane. Right, he wanted to be with the host. And he did phrase it that way. He said, who would want to be with a 10-year-old? Piece of shit. Which is (laughs) such a messed up thing to say because, of course, you're not going to be romantically involved with the 10-year-old part. You're going to be protective of the 10-year-old part if you care at all about this person. Um, But that is such a hurtful and just ignorant thing to say. Yeah. There's just, like, that whole interaction had so many of us fired up. Mm Mm-hmm. Just, like... Kali. Kali. Like, she had a list of things that she would have told him in that moment. Like... None of them nice. None of them nice. No. No. Um... That was kind of the theme of their conversation in that moment was who would want this? Who would want to be with somebody who changes all the time, whose opinions are so different? It's always up and down and all this stuff. And 
And it's so hurtful the way he phrased it of who would want this. Because it was not only saying, like, I don't want this. It was saying there's nobody out there that's going to want you. And, you know, she, like I was saying earlier after we talked about the episode prior to this, um, she recognized within him that this was challenging. Like, she said she empathized that this has got to be really difficult for him to understand and know how to communicate with. Um, And that's when he was just like, who would want this, Mm -hmm. basically. Mm -hmm. And so it was just like, come on. (laughs) Like, everything he was saying, I was just like, this is so fucking hurtful. Oh, it's offensive, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So and it's not a fan. No, not a fan of that guy. And um, we have both been in, in relationships with singletons. Yeah. Um, for us, we've been in relationships with singletons before we knew and after we found out we had DID. And there was always this kind of wall that we hit about how much they could understand. And that's not there with you guys. We have a real understanding about what it means to have these different parts. Yeah, exactly. Because we both have it. Mm-hmm. And so, like, we understand what kind of um, relationships that we have between all of our parts. Right. So, like, with the littles, for you, like, on your side, mm-hmm. when they're out around me or any of us over here... They're either playmates Mm -hmm. or we're very protective of whoever's out. Just like you would be protective of any child. Yeah. Just, like, because they're in an adult body, um, even so, like, you recognize this is a child you're dealing with and protection kicks in. And, you know, something to just put it simply for people who are interacting with a child part who doesn't have DID, it's like, have you ever talked to a child before? Yeah, it's that simple. If you have, then you've got the skills. (laughs) (laughs) That's how you do it. That's how you do it. (laughs) You talk Um, to a child the way you talk to children. I mean, it's that simple, really. It really is, but (laughs) I do also understand that it's unnerving. Like, again, the empathy kicks in for me as well, for singletons, because it's got to be unnerving to see a child part fronting in an adult body and seeing someone act so childish and oftentimes have a, a, a different voice and different yeah. mannerisms and not be able to draw or speak very well. Yeah. That's got to be unnerving. But again, if you think of it as just you're interacting with a child, that kind of takes away a lot of the fear, I think. Yeah, because they're children. They're not scary. They're not scary. You know, a lot of the times also, like, these children are traumatized Mm -hmm. and they're going to, you know, interact with the world in a very different way. Like, even if you have many child parts, they're all different. Um, And we have quite a few. Yeah. And they hold different things. Mm -hmm. They hold different aspects to the abuse and the trauma. Um, because that's just what needed to happen in our mind. These things needed to get compartmentalized in a certain way. So in the show, um, she has a little who's 10 years old, who's named Beth. 
And Beth is extremely sweet and extremely quiet. She's very mm-hmm. soft-spoken, and she admittedly holds a lot of trauma because she protects the smaller part. Yeah. She's the one who took the pain. God, that broke my heart. Yeah. You know, and it's not like these things happen on purpose. You know, it's not like Jane was there and was like, I don't want to deal with this. I'm going to pass it on to this 10-year-old girl. No. It wasn't. It's not that at all. And I think that that's maybe something to be said is like, this thing just happened. And it happened in childhood. Yeah. So the chances are this part was 10 or younger when the abuse happened. So they're stuck at that age where the trauma happened. It's not an adult part. Like, like you said, pushing it off to a child. That's not no. how this works. And I think that, I don't know. I felt like that needed to be said. Is it's No, like, that's fair. Um, but yeah, it broke my heart because, you know, you just, I've seen in person like traumatized child parts Mm -hmm. and uh, there's nothing you can do to protect them from what's happened to them but that's my yeah but that's my that's where like the what empathy kind of comes in is it's just like i wish i could i could have protected you how can i protect you right now Exactly. You that know. instinct kicks in to be a protector. And um, so you've seen a few of our traumatized child parts. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> what would you say about them? Um, they all express themselves in very different ways. Um, some of them are very quiet. Some of them are very angry. They're not as angry as they used to be because some healing has taken because place. some healing has taken place um but you can tell that like they hold on to something that they can't fully form into words and the way they express themselves you know shows that but they're amazing they're all like really special that's <laughs> really know? sweet but they're stuck in trauma time yeah um these traumatized children in our system are stuck at a certain age and they haven't grown up. And the best I can do because, you know, there's healing that's taken place, but it doesn't necessarily stop, like, the trauma memories. Mm-hmm. And so when trauma memories surface for them, you know, the best thing that I can do is try to work with them through it. Mm-hmm. You know, as you would... With like, a child. With a child. Like, when you see a child in distress, and you see them struggling, you want to help them. You want to talk them through it, you want to comfort them. Exactly. So, I mean, that's that's been my experience. Yeah, it's instinctual. Certainly for you, you're a very protective person. Yeah. And we've met your little. Mm-hmm. And um, she's very... Oh, she's so creative. Yeah. She's just a beautiful soul, honestly. She's the sweetest, most creative kid. Um, she loves candy, maybe more than anything else in the world. And she doesn't appreciate people trying to help her do stuff like Legos and whatnot. She wants she's to... She's a very independent child. She's very child. independent, yes. I think growing up, like, that was always our, like, mentality. It was like, no, I got this. 
and that's very much her. Like when you were riding a bike yeah, for the first time. Yeah, grandmother told us that when we were first riding, um, learning how to ride a bike, basically Rue was like, no, I got this, and didn't want any help. That's so her. And... That's very in keeping. So <laughs> you guys at that age were exactly a mirror image of what she's like now. Yeah. Which is so interesting. It's like time stopped and is captured within you. Yeah. And it's always weird when you hear stories that you don't remember. Oh, I bet. But like are in keeping with your experience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, that's validating. <laughs> it's like, oh, look at that. <laughs> and then um, the next part that we learned about in um, Many Sides of Jane was Alexis, who's 19. And we could relate to that as well. Yeah. So what would you say about Alexis? Um, God. I mean, for starters, like, we have parts in here that are like, yeah, I'd party with her. <laughs> she is. She's a party girl. She's very um, fun. She's very flamboyant. She's very um, social. She's social. And I think what Jane was saying was that, you know, she's very confident in not just herself, but in, like, what she wants in life. Mm -hmm. Like, she has those deep aspirations and energy to, like throw herself at it mm -hmm. you know and like youthful exuberance exactly and i think that that's something to relate to for some of our parts is just that youthful like would you say exuberance yeah yeah <laughs> those aspects of youth that are just so like beautiful to behold and which we lose over time <laughs> The older you get, the... Yeah, harder life gets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's kind of nice to see that that exists still. And um, you were mentioning to me before this podcast that she reminds you of one of your parts. Yeah, she reminds me a lot of um, Stacy and... In just, like, the youthful exuberance way. Um, I'd say that Alexis is... It's Alexis, right? Mm -hmm. Alexis is more mature... In some regards, than Stacy, because Stacy is sixteen. Yeah, so that's an age difference that's pretty significant it, when it comes to your teens. Yeah, um, but as far as just like the, there's something like kind of cavalier mm -hmm. about the way they interact with the world. Yeah, and they're invincible. Exactly, and <laughs> yeah, they just kind of like let things slide off their back. Yeah, and um, I can attest to the fact that Stacy is so energetic, it's impossible to keep up with her. As, you know, a 30-year-old guy, <laughs> I just can't keep up with that energy. But God, do I want to. Right? <laughs> I wish I could. <laughs> yeah, when you see it come from your own body. Yeah, like when the energy is there within you, but you can't tap into it yourself. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> where, the, where is that coming from? Where did from? she find that? <laughs> Where is that located? Can I find it for me? <laughs> yeah. And then is there anyone in here who you would say um, kind of would be on par with Alexis? Um, I would say L. Oh, yeah. I guess that's true. Yeah. I would say L. Um, L is a, an interesting one, though, because she is a traumatized part. Mm -hmm. So she has that dark side of pain but she does also have a lot of energy yeah um skylar 
Oh, Skylar in our system. Yeah, no, he's just... He's so sweet and innocent. He's like 17 now. And he does age. And um, he's so innocent, but in a really, yeah, exuberant way. Yeah, that's the word. For that it. is for him. That is so <laughs> the word. He's so full of life. Yeah. And it's not to say that, like, in this documentary, Jane doesn't have her own exuberance. But it is definitely different than yeah. Alexis. It's more what you'd expect from a 28-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the next part that they mentioned was Madison, who is also 28, and, um, she is a protector. Mm-hmm. So, she got involved with ending relationships in the show, because they were, one of them, I guess, was codependent in her view, and one of them was just, she wasn't attracted to the guy, and yeah. he was also kind of a jerk. That's the other aspect, is, um, she... I believe she is gay. She identifies as lesbian. Yeah. So that also played a part in why she was not a fan. I don't think it was a huge part because that guy was a dick. <laughs> that was um, the main problem there. I think that was just the main problem there. Um, but that can be a thing in systems is um, difference in, you know, sexual preference. Yeah. So we definitely both have parts that identify as gay or straight, or bisexual, or any number of things, even asexual. Yeah. And um, it just varies. Mm -hmm. And uh, it can be... You know what it's easier to deal with once you know it's DID? Because before you know, there's just all this conflicting, chaotic experience of like, why am I attracted? Why am I not attracted? What's happening? Why am I scared? Why am I happy? You know, like, all these experiences rolled into like this relationship and you just don't know what's going on but once you do know it's like it just changes its difficulty (laughs) (laughs) yeah it does i'm not sure if it goes up or down but it helps to know oh okay so one person is really triggered right now by this intimacy yeah i can identify it and we can modify our behavior to make sure that this person is no longer triggered yeah which you can't do when you don't know what's going on. Yeah, I think um, it was like, it's a difference between chaos and just um, difficult. <laughs> chaos, chaos versus and, difficult. <laughs> and Because um, it's like, once you find out, it's like, okay, I now understand why the fuck I was not making any sense to this person. Yeah, to your partner. Now I'm really not going to make sense. Yeah, now it's just going <laughs> to be something new, but the same, but awful. <laughs> because now I'm, what, asking this singleton to now be aware of all these parts of myself. And it's a lot to ask. And it's a lot to ask for, I mean, anybody, but, like, someone who doesn't understand what having DID is and what it's like... I can just imagine, like... It's gotta be so hard. Yeah. And I don't mean that in any disrespectful way. I just feel like that's just the truth. It's the truth. <laughs> yeah, it's that lack of relatability. But um, in terms of protectors, uh, who would you say in your system kind of would relate to Madison? Um, that would definitely be Colleen. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. No, she's a pretty 
solid protector. Um, and I think part of the reason why Kali could relate to her a lot is because Madison didn't always, like, surface to break up with somebody. You know, it wasn't like that. It was just, she was there. She was a part of the relationship. But when it became bullshit, mm-hmm. she was like, no, nah, I'm done. So and a I lot feel like of that's it... very Kali's demeanor is yeah. like, she can let a lot of things kind of like slide, but she's always watching. Mm. And if it hits a certain point, that's when she's like, no. I think that's something to really, um, you know, mention is that protectors are often always watching. Yeah. Like, if it's possible, if there's co-consciousness, and even sometimes if there isn't much, often there's a protector who is aware of what's happening and um, will step in. Yeah. So for us, we have Red, who's a protector. She's um, definitely a protector of our littles in some level. And um, in the past, she's been a lot more aggressive about people who she finds um, to be traumatizing or upsetting or just mean. Yeah. She's been very much like, no, this won't happen anymore. I'm done. And um, she's kind of chilled out a little bit, but she still remains very steadfast in the, I won't put up with harm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And then we've got, who am I thinking of? Mars. We've got Mars, who's a protector. And he certainly speaks his mind. Mm -hmm. He doesn't necessarily come out all the time to speak his mind, but when he feels like something is very important and needs to be said, he will say it. Yeah. So, yeah, we've both got protectors who are relatively serious about their jobs. Yeah, I would say so. And then... There's Jane, who's the host, who is the one who learned about this condition, is the one who didn't know, is the one who's living the life, more or less. Mm-hmm. And these parts are supporting her, but it's her life. Yeah. And I think um, a huge aspect of this episode in this documentary that we're not mentioning at this point, that we should, is that she's a mother. Oh, that's huge. Um and I'm really excited to see them go deeper into what all of her parts contribute to that parenting because I do know that it's said that all of her parts, you know, help raise or yeah. help take care of the children. Absolutely. <clears throat> and uh, one of the things that one of the therapists or psychologists said in the documentary was that a lot of his DID patients are excellent parents. Yeah. Which was so nice to hear because a lot of people, you know, they think you're absolutely crazy if you say you have DID and they certainly don't believe that you should be, you know, a parent. Yeah. So to hear that from a professional that it's actually okay and a lot of them are excellent parents was really healing. I think that was beautiful. And I think that may be a part of the reason why they're such great parents is because not only do they have, you know, this protectiveness naturally Mm -hmm. for children because... Once you become aware of your trauma, you're like, 
ex- like extremely aware that you want to protect your children mm-hmm. from from harm from harm but also internally you're taking care of littles mm-hmm. so there is this like sort of deep i don't know connection to a parental figure Mm-hmm. To be that like nurturing and comforting and protective person in this child's life. Absolutely. And um, that pretty much wraps up what episode one is about. Yeah, um, we didn't bring up her, um, the second relationship though, which was with uh, Brie. Yeah. That one wasn't explained very well, I don't think, in the episode. It but wasn't. there's one thing that they mentioned which made us both extremely sad. What yeah. was that? Um, so apparently um, this person, Bree, who was with Jane and I think Madison, mm-hmm. um, had drawn this picture for one of her littles with for um, Beth. Yeah, for, for Beth. For Beth. Um, and when it was... Once uh, Madison felt like this had gone too far. And they had to break up. And they had to break up. Brie then rips up the picture that she drew for Beth in front of them and throws it on the ground. And I understand that, like, when people break up, it's very heartbreaking. And it can be ugly. And it can get ugly. Um but the part that hurt the most is it's like Beth wasn't the one who broke up with Brie. No, Beth is a child who attached to Brie yeah. and cares about Brie and is suddenly being shown via her you know, picture being ripped up that she's not loved anymore. And it wasn't like any picture. It was a picture of um, Brie. Brie protecting one uh, of the littles or... Beth or whoever, yeah, it was Beth. you know, and so it was just like that in your face type of, I don't love you. Yeah, we're done. This relationship is over. I'm not your protector anymore. I don't care. Which is extremely like a lot of, at least for us, like there's that abandonment um, issues, mm-hmm. that fear of abandonment. And when things like that happen, to people that your littles have attached to, mm-hmm. it only triggers that fear of abandonment because it's now in your face. Certainly, we had that experience with a friend um, not that long ago where the relationship ended and um, at least one of our littles was very connected to that person and felt very confused about why their friend wasn't around anymore. And obviously it was, you know, a decision that was made between the older parts and this other friend. But the children don't understand that. They just know, I cared about somebody and now they're not in my life. I'm abandoned. So relationships can be really tricky. Yeah. It's kind of like, it reminds me of um, people who are dating who have kids and they don't introduce their new partners to their kids until, like, way into the relationship. Yeah. Because they don't want their kids to get connected if it's not going to work out. Exactly. However, we don't have that luxury. No. Because the children are always with us. (laughs) (laughs) So it can get messy and it can get really sad. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that the only thing that 
is kind of a positive for both our systems is that, and I'm sure it's like, it's all around, is that a lot of the adult parts are naturally protective of the littles. Mm -hmm. So any adult part for us can be out and we'll know that Rue is taken care of. Mm -hmm. And if something surfaces for her, we're on it. Mm -hmm. Like we're extremely aware. And And everybody chips in. I think the last time she interacted with someone (laughs) outside of you guys, Mm -hmm. it didn't go well. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that. She has a huge resentment towards this person because she kept building her puzzle. And as we mentioned earlier, she doesn't doesn't like like helping. So, yeah. And also, there was this whole thing with food. Um, Yeah, (laughs) Rue is very protective of food. So, um, yeah, there's there's resentments that come up. Like, they're children. You know, they have sometimes very basic understandings of the world that... And also, especially with Rue, and certainly with our alter, our part, Bunny, there's a very strong understanding of what's right, what's wrong. Yeah. What's good, what's bad. And it's very childish because they're children. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like saying the things that, like, Rue is upset about. It's kind of like if you just heard me saying, like, in an I statement, like, these are things I'm upset about. (laughs) You'd be, like, questioning my age. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. again, I say with all the love in my heart for Rue, you know. It's not poking fun at her. No. Whatsoever. It's not poking fun at any little, like, I love them. <laughs> you know? I love them. They're beautiful children. They have, I don't know, they have something special. Yeah. So. I feel very protective of them. Yeah. I think that about wraps up our, um, our podcast today about the first episode of Many Sides of Jane. We are enjoying it. We took a break right after the first episode because there's a lot to compute. There's a lot to take in and it does bring up stuff about our own systems. We need time to process. Can I also bring up one more thing? It's about the filming. Oh yeah. Yep. A lot of documentaries that show people with DID. Mm Mm-hmm. They like to really shake the camera a lot when it comes to switching, like demonstrating a switch. And like this one has these overlapping voices and like this glitching, like overlap of face and stuff. And it's like every time. That makes it really dramatic in a way that it's not. (laughs) It's just like, can we just not? Can we just not make it seem like it's dramatic? Because it's really not. I mean, it looks like for Jane, when she switches, she'll, like, get a little headache and she'll kind of, like, hold her forehead or something like that while she's focusing on trying not to feel the pain of it, I'm assuming. Yeah. And um, then the switch happens and it's fine. It's just someone holding their head for a second. It's not shaky camera, like, dire music. You know, it's not that. So that's a little over the top. I just find it funny. It is kind of funny. (laughs) Just like, guys... For the most part, this series seems to be keeping things pretty real. Oh, yeah. No, there's... I haven't heard any advice or, like, I haven't heard any therapist say anything that 
was like, uh. No, I agree with, and it seems to be in keeping with everything I do know of the up-to-date information about DID. Yeah, which is good. So they're giving good information, and she's really giving a lot of her own personal information that, you know, has got to be difficult for her, but is also so healing for so many people. Yeah. So yeah. I'm I'm respectful. Yeah. Okay, I think that really does wrap it up. Yep. All right. Well, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.